This episode of The Drawing Board is brought to you by Udacity.com. Explore one of our world-class nanodegree programs, including digital marketing, artificial intelligence, robotics, self-driving car, and much more. Udacity, jobs of tomorrow start here. I think this is a, a really exciting time for the industry because we're just sitting in the middle of all these factors that are coming together. Like computers are getting small enough and light enough and cheap enough. Sensors are getting good enough. Um, and then the AI and machine learning is getting mature enough. Things that have been worked on in academia in a research setting in many cases for decades, like those algorithms are actually getting robust enough where you can build a product and a product experience around them. Um, so I think we're at a point where we're going to see rapid progress and it's a super exciting time to be getting into this industry. That's Adam Bree talking about the drone industry. Today, we're learning all about drones or unmanned aerial vehicles. We talked to Ian Smith of Drone Deploy in the Commercial Drones FM podcast. But first, let's hear about the consumer drones that Adam works on at Skydio. So our mission is to open up the power of what drones can do by making them trustworthy and autonomous. The reason why we started the company is we felt like really all of the most exciting concepts uh, in both the consumer space and the commercial space in some form rely in trustworthy autonomy. So the target uh, for our first product is kind of consumer oriented, giving people the ability to capture amazing video that they wouldn't otherwise be able to get. Uh, but in the long run, uh, we think that the underlying technology there can have a huge impact across inspection, mapping, monitoring, security, uh, probably even delivery, and maybe someday even flying people around. The technology to make that possible is, at least to us, the most exciting stuff in the world to work on. Like You can basically see the product come to life every day as we build new AI capabilities and get to test them out in the field, and you can like really see the thing getting smarter. Clearly, Adam loves the challenge of making drones, as he sees the importance of AI and autonomy for them. Where does he think we are with the technology now? A lot of the people who aren't very close to the technology look at products as they are today and sort of imagine them statically. Like They don't see them getting better over time and try to project what's possible with those products. Uh, and I think one of the things that has us really excited is having sort of our own notion and our own roadmap of what we think is possible. And generally, basically across every axis of the technology, like the propulsion systems, the flying form factor, certainly on the AI, the intelligence, the autonomy pieces, I think we're just a few percent of the way there in terms of what's physically possible. And as these devices get smaller and lighter and smarter, um, I think we're gonna see them show up in all kinds of interesting ways in our daily lives. As the commercial drone market has exploded and we're getting used to seeing drones in our everyday lives, Adam believes that there are many more possibilities. We'll explore some of those applications with Ian Smith of Drone Deploy and the Commercial Drones FM podcast. He sat down with producer Calvin Hu for a chat. So can you introduce yourself and what you do? Yeah, my name is Ian Smith. I work at Drone Deploy and lead business development for an initiative called the App Market. And I also host a podcast about drones. Uh, it's called Commercial Drones FM. And I've been doing that for a little over a year and really enjoy it. Very passionate about flying robots and aviation. What's your, what's your background? How did you get started in aviation? So my background, actually, I started as a helicopter pilot. Um, I'm a commercial helicopter pilot. Of course, I got my you know, private license and then my commercial certificate and became a flight instructor. Uh, but it was 2008, and that's probably the worst time, one of the worst times in history to be a new flight instructor because a lot of people during that time, because of the economy, uh, were just not very interested in spending $275 per flight hour 
to learn how to fly a helicopter. And so I kind of pivoted and staved in aviation. And then in 2013, I heard an NPR story on the radio about a guy using a drone in the United States to take pictures of things, selling them to people, but unfortunately it was illegal because there were no drone regulations. And at that time, I wanted to get back into, you know, into the sky, as it were, and, and bring back my, my love for, for flying. And drones seemed like a really cool technology that had the potential to be completely life-changing for me and changing uh, the society um, around the world as well and, and different industries. So I decided to go full-blown into drones and, and have been uh, since 2013. One thing you talked about there a little bit was the regulation. How how has the regulation of drones like changed over time, and and where are we at now? How is it changing? Yeah, the regulation regulatory landscape of drones is really interesting. So historically, you've had manned aviation. Um, you know, the FAA has is has complete kind of governing control over that in the United States. Um, but you know, worldwide, these small flying robots were taking flight, and so there's a huge you know, kind of fragmented regulatory framework around the world. Every country seems to have its own regulations. And so initially, there, you know, it, it's the classic case of technology, you know, advancing faster than regulations could. So nobody saw these drones coming. Nobody saw how businesses were going to be using them so quickly and how the technology and hardware and software would advance so fast. The number one factor is safety. They, the FAA wants, this, wants skies to remain safe. And so, you know, it's, a, it's just a huge problem because these, these little robots have so much capability technologically and, and they can go really high up, thousands of feet, uh, but they're limited to 400 feet uh, above ground with the Part 107 regulations. And it's just, it's just a massive challenge to make sure that, you know, operators are held accountable for their actions. You know, you can't go fly around in the middle of an airport um, with your drone. It's, you know, around an active runway. It's definitely a huge safety hazard. So... You know, moving forward, the FAA uh, has a lot of opportunities to enable things like beyond visual line of sight operations. So a lot of people, including myself, believe that, you know, drones, commercial drones won't reach their full potential until they're like fully autonomous. You know, there's no human in the loop. And uh, beyond visual line of sight operations, so a drone flying beyond the line of sight of the operator on the ground are a key part of that. And right now, you cannot operate a drone commercially or for hobby purposes beyond visual line of sight, unaided beyond visual line of sight, no binoculars, you know, no uh, magnifying glass if you try to use that, which won't work. Uh, but you cannot do that legally right now. So there's huge opportunity for the FAA to move forward on things like that, uh, along with uh, the UTM project with NASA, the Unmanned Traffic Management Project, uh, to, to successfully and safely integrate all these flying robots into the world's busiest airspace, the United States. Do you think as the the software, the autonomy gets better in drones, do you think that will help justify beyond visual line of sight? Yes, but the thing is, is that we're already at a point, arguably, where the, the software on the drones is good enough to go from point A to B and then back to point A completely you know, independent of the operator being able to view the aircraft. And there's startups that are popping up that are trying to tackle this problem head on. So, you know, building embedded systems into the hardware of drones that have cameras that can actually, you know, if in the event of a drone being beyond visual line of sight of the operator on the ground, they'll be able to classify, identify, 
and kind of determine if they're on an intercept course with another aircraft and then take uh, take uh, evasive maneuvers based on that. So, so the drone can kind of has a brain of its own and not just being able to detect and avoid, um, but really being able to make those decisions in a smart way. And those types of technologies will probably help the FAA understand, okay, we're in a place you know, where we can actually uh, make a set of standards that the software must comply with in order to operate beyond visual line of sight. Well, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. I want to get back to uh, a little bit about you and a little bit about what your company does. So can you tell us a little bit about Drone Deploy? Yeah, so Drone Deploy uh, was founded in 2013. We're based in San Francisco, California. We create software for drones. Our mission statement is to make the sky accessible and productive for anyone and any kind of business, small or large. Uh, so our software scales to any size. And essentially what it does, it's, it's you know, fully software. So we work with the world's most popular hardware and we can power it to, to kind of conduct these autonomous missions. And so via a process called photogrammetry, um, you know, the drone actually has to take a bunch of pictures of a specific area. And then that's really easily done via our software. Our mobile apps can connect to DJI drones and make that autonomous mission possible um, to capture you know, very consistent imagery with, with good overlap. So for example, at a construction site, let's say you have a 20 acre construction site, you know, pretty medium sized, uh, fairly average sized construction site. Um, you would use our mobile app to create a very easy flight plan uh, on a geospatial layer, kind of just a, a polygon around that area that you want to create a kind of a quote unquote map of. And then you would press go, and then the drone would actually just aut autonomously figure out the best way to fly that to get the most out of its battery life, to capture as many images of the ground as possible. And then the drone will actually come back and it'll land exactly where it took off from with no human interaction needed on the joysticks. And so the data products produced are a 2D ortho mosaic. And so what that is, is essentially, it's as if you were looking straight down on top of the construction site, you know, with regular, um, basically like a satellite image almost, but much higher resolution than what's readily available. And then you also have an elevation model. And so this is kind of a heat map that gives you the lay of the land, the contours kind of around the ground, you know, the high points and the low points. So very useful for construction. And then also a 3D model. Um, so a completely 3D generated model of that site just based on 2D photographs. And so photogrammetry is very powerful. It's been used for stuff um, like, you know, uh, modeling um, statues and things on the ground and taking a bunch of pictures from all kinds of angles and recreating that in 3D. So, of course, when you have a camera that can go basically anywhere in 3D space, it makes a lot of sense to do this. Then we also work with uh, industries like agriculture and they can get, you know, very nice high resolution uh, daily maps of their fields and kind of look at damage if there was any or try to spot disease and all types of different um, analytics that they can do with drones that they never previously had the capability to do. I want to get a little bit to what what you talk about in your podcast, which is just in general about commercial, the commercial drone industry. 
what I wanted and what I realized was that there was kind of a lack of content out there around drones. And there was a lot of people who were interested in, in joining the drone industry. And so through my time in the industry, traveling around the world and working in different countries, I've met a lot of people and I've learned a lot of different things. And so the podcast was a way for me to be able to share that with anyone who was interested in this industry. And I specifically take a commercial spin on it. So kind of the business of drones rather than just like kind of the hobbyist, you know, kind of way of things, which, you know, to me is a lot more interesting because there's a lot of drama happening. You know, we've got a Chinese company who's just this massive behemoth who's just crushing systematically the other businesses that are popping up. GoPro's drone, you know, was kind of like uh, preempted by DJI. And, you know, they released the Mavic Pro, uh, you know, just a week or so, like to the day after the GoPro announced their Karma. And it was kind of like one-upping it. And so, you know, there's these companies that are battling it out. There's competition. There's just this new technology. And then there's the people, which is what I really enjoy. And, and talking and having these conversations with, with, you know, experts in the drone industry or new people who have learned a lot. Awesome. Yeah, I've listened. It's a, it's a great podcast, so... All our listeners out there, if they're really interested in that kind of thing, you should check it out for sure. What are some of the most the most interesting or the most surprising kind of stories that you found? My favorite uses are the way that drones can actually physically affect our world. So, for example, there is a company uh, called Drone Seed, and their first proof of concept was actually sticking for lack of a better term, a gun or a device that could actually propel an object uh, very fast. And it was pointed down towards the ground. And the object was not a bullet, but it was actually a seed for a tree. And so drone seed was actually planting trees with a drone gun, (laughs) which to me just absolutely blew my mind. Because if you think about it, it's just such an efficient way to plant seeds in a very methodical manner. And so that's one of my favorite use cases. But other than that, there's a Japanese company that's just doing amazing things with drones, um, sticking robotic arms on the drones. I mean, these drones don't just, you know, perform activities, what we call remote sensing, you know, where you just take images from afar. These are robots and they are going to be able to get closer and closer to objects and start manipulating them and grabbing them and repairing them and attaching tools or drills to a drone to get to objects that are really high up. So right now we're really focused on the inspection activities. But I imagine a future where we're going to have drones that are not just inspecting, but maybe after they've inspected, the program has determined this is something that needs to be repaired. And then they go and they take action on that so that the human still doesn't have to go up to fix something when the drone will actually be able to do it. It becomes less and less uh, about the remote sensing to me, but more and more about how they'll actually move things and make things happen in the physical world. Yeah, I would... I would think that also with either these drone seeds or the this robotic arm, there are definitely like new challenges in that you have this very generally lightweight aircraft and then you're trying to manipulate the physical world. So you have to you have to manage that. Is that Absolutely, especially if you're hovering in midair and you actually add a drill to the equation. I mean if you're gonna attach if you imagine a drone kind of with a drill pointed forward and it just kind of locks on to a bolt or something and it wants to go ahead and, you know, actuate the drill so it, it kind of like screws in that bolt. 
um, you know, there's a lot of aerodynamics uh, that you have to kind of think about. And so, uh, you know, lots of collision avoidance and, and keeping stability um, that are going to come into effect. But yeah, there, there's there's a lot of things to consider uh, in that regard. And another one that I, that I didn't mention earlier is swarming, uh, drone swarms, if you will. And so that's just like, basically to me, a swarm, if I had to... I, describe it or define it would be more than one drone working together to accomplish a specific task. And so we don't see a lot of drone swarms yet. Uh, Intel is one of the companies that are doing some interesting things with swarms. Uh, They're mainly focused on entertainment. And in the future, these swarming drones are probably going to be able to make tasks like mapping and photogrammetric missions a lot more feasible by, you know, spreading out over large and large areas. And these drones are going to be able to be a lot smaller. So they're going to pose a lot safe, a lot less of a safety risk if they fall out of the sky. Um, because, you know, there's so many of them. They don't, there doesn't need to be this hulking, huge behemoth of a drone that if it falls, it crushes a car. Um, you know, there, there's lots of smaller drones that can accomplish this task and spread out and just be generally more efficient. And so those are the technologies that I think are very innovative. Uh, those are going to be the future of drones when everything's connected in the cloud and it's all on a blockchain and there's drone delivery being validated in an, in a, in an immutable record. Um, so, yeah, the, all these technologies are just kind of converging right now. And so it's really interesting to be part of the industry. I'm curious what you think as far as I think you mentioned both hardware as in like robotic arms on drones as well as software like drone swarms do you feel like do you feel like there's more room in one of those areas or do you think they're kind of equal the ceiling is so high like we don't even know where the ceiling is on this um hardware is advancing like crazy you know the next innovations there i think are just going to be sticking lte modems or 5g whatever basically sim cards in the drones so they're connected to the cell networks uh, verizon has taken a huge interest in drones they purchased a company out of portland called skyward and they're a drone um, company and uh, once the drones are connected you know then they're going to be able to do way more things with the software and so the hardware they're, they're like you know they're so intrinsically bound to each other that yeah they're pretty equal right now i'd have to say um there's huge opportunities for software though with more machine learning and computer vision applications uh, artificial intelligence you know all the buzzwords that we talk about um but with hardware too i mean battery technology is one area that there could be you know, huge advancements on to, to create you know, more endurant drones that can fly for longer and accomplish more complicated missions. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me here. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I've been a listener. Very happy to be here. And thank you so much for having me. There's still so much room for drones to grow, and I honestly can't wait to see where this technology goes. If you'd like to hear more from Ian about applications of UAVs, head over to his Commercial Drones FM podcast and give it a listen. That's it for the drawing board today, but we just wanted to quickly let you know that we're gonna be taking a short break to work on a bunch of new episodes moving forward. As always, we'd love your feedback and episode ideas. You can send those along with any questions or comments about the show to thedrawingboard at udacity.com. A big thanks to all our listeners for the continued support and to everyone who made the season possible, especially to our amazing guests and production team. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.
The Drawing Board by Udacity is produced by Calvin Hu, Kelly Schwarz, and myself, with contributions from Davis Little. Music is provided by PremiumBeat.com, The Yellow Hope Project, and Olivia Lee of There's Talk. Find more of her music at there'stalk.bandcamp.com. And for comments, questions, or to pitch a theme or idea, you can email us at thedrawingboard at udacity.com or tweet us at udacity using the hashtag thedrawingboard on Twitter. If you like what you hear, please help support us by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on your podcast platform of choice. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Hope keeps your dreams alive, lets them grow and thrive, helps you to survive.